Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with your charismatic host and prominent safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Be entertained and informed as the Safety Doc discusses both best and bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. The truth will keep you safe. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. Everybody, this is the Safety Doc, David Perodin, welcoming you to the Safety Doc Podcast number... 55. I can't drive. 55, which actually resulted in me getting a ticket back when I was about 17 years old. So, um, yeah. Hey, welcome to what's going to be basically the year in review and also some lessons we learned from Custer's last stand. Some things that are a little I guess non-traditional, maybe some observational things that I've made based on Custer's last stand. Um, because, hey, we are taking a family trip out to South Dakota and into that greater region in uh, summer. And we're going to be visiting the Custer's last stand uh, park. And I did some research. I uh, wanted to share some of that with you and just some perspectives on how that relates today. So a few things right away. One is some of you uh, might discover this podcast and my work while searching for Dr. Timothy Ludwig. He's a professor at Appalachian State University. He's an expert in industrial and behavioral safety. Also goes by the safety doc. So, hey, too many docs on the block. Well, maybe not. But here's a, another doc on the block. He's been there before I, I came on board. Um, so Tim Ludwig, the safety doc, he's presented around the world and believe me, he is the go-to person when it comes to industrial and behavior safety. So we have this, this arena of, uh, safety involving, uh, school safety, community safety, and then industrial and behavioral safety. So I kind of hold down the, the safety for schools and communities and, and the go-to person in industrial and behavioral safety is Dr. Timothy Ludwig. You can find him at www.safety-doc.com. Again, www.safety-doc.com. Dr. Ludwig out of Appalachian State. Phenomenal. Um, I've watched his videos. I've read his articles. He is a, a terrific um, contributor to the knowledge base of, of safety. So I just want to Make that clarification right away in case you did find this podcast and you were looking for Dr. Ludwig. I hope you stick around and listen to the Safety Doc podcast, but Dr. Ludwig is over at safety-doc.com. Um, so some anecdotes, some anecdotes. We, we missed a big snowstorm. Um, was supposed to, you know, all, all week we we're being told, Hey, the snowstorm is going to be dropping. 10 inches of snow and, and, you know, it's going to disrupt travel and all this stuff. And, and the pattern significantly moved south. So it is, um, it is definitely not going to deliver more than an inch or two, which is sad for my daughters. We, we butt up against Parkland and there's a, a sledding hill and they love to sled. So we're not going to be able to do that. Um, 
And here we are at December 21st and, and really looking at probably, you know, a couple more weeks maybe before another snow hits that's going to, you know, get that, that sledding hill ready. And then, you know, maybe you got two months to use it. So I'm, I'm glad um, when they were younger, uh, it tended to be where we had snows earlier in the season and we were able to get out there. But we'll make the most of it. We'll definitely make the most of it. But right now it's just grass. I can look outside my window and it's just pure grass. We don't have snow anywhere, um, which is unusual. I grew up in northern Wisconsin and tell the story of how this time of year we would go. I'd visit my friends in the country and literally um, driving to their places, the snow would be about 10 feet under the power lines. You'd have these huge V plows that would come in and, and they would push the snow um, you know, up into these huge piles alongside the, the ditches. So you couldn't see right or left. I mean, you were looking at all you could see is snow. So you really had to be careful at intersections back then too, um, because you, you couldn't see around, but, um, it's, I don't know. It's not that way anymore. Um, but it is something, you know, to kind of look outside and be running, you know, go out at night and I run and I'm thankful that there isn't snow. Um, because when there is snow, I do add the cleats to my boots um, because I've taken a couple spills in the last few years. Everything's fine here with the old safety dock. Uh, but, you know, I'm older, and um, I don't want to end up with a broken bone or anything like that. So I've learned to roll. Well, I learned a long time ago to roll. When you fall, you try to get into a roll position to dissipate the energy of the fall. I learned that playing basketball um, years ago. I mean, years ago, like elementary basketball. Um, but I, I did that a few times when I, when I fell out running in the last couple of years and it worked fine. Um, I also typically run in a pretty heavy, um, wool coat. Um, it's actually a Navy, an authentic Navy pea coat. So when I, when I do go out running, um, if I do enter a roll position, I'm typically in pretty good shape, but my goal isn't to wipe out. So I did obtain some pretty hefty cleats for my, um, well, they're, they're winter, not actually winter boots. They're kind of like just industrial boots, but I, I use them and throw the cleats on in an extra pair of socks and I'm fine. Um, and, and, but I haven't had to do that yet. And actually, I kind of like that. I, w- I was thinking last night I was out running and I miss going past. We have a small lake and there's some ice shanties out there. And when you run, you know, I typically run later at night, 10, 11 o'clock. And when you run at that time, it's really peaceful. You know, it, it's very peaceful. There's not a lot of traffic. And and on clear nights, you know, of course, the stars are visible. But it's really, there, there's something special about running past the, this lake and seeing these ice shanties out there. Um, and sometimes they're lit up, you know, and sometimes they're not. Um, but, uh, you know, it's only, it, 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 it's something... You can only have your ice shanty out there for, what, maybe 8, 10 weeks tops? Because right now it is the 21st of December, and and the lake isn't frozen yet. So by the time you can get your ice shanty out, now it's cold, um, and it's going to be like 10 degrees on Christmas and, and the next day, and colder in the evening. So obviously, you know, you're going to have some ice forming on this lake Um so, but, but really, I mean, even if January, first week of January, you get your ice shanty out, I think you have to have it 
it, it off the the lake by March 1st. So you have a pretty narrow window. So I don't know if you're going after work, spending time in your shanty or on the weekends, but it's pretty narrow to do all that work of, of dragging your ice shanty out there, setting it up and, and, and fishing. So I don't know. I've never really, I've never been in an ice shanty. I, I, admittedly, the safety doc is telling you this. I've never been in an ice shanty. Um, but again, it is something very special kind of to, to just go by this, this quiet area and to look out and to see the ice shanty and, and even going out with the cleats, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I find something very reflectful, a lot of introspection during those, those times. So I, I, I look forward to that. And, uh, I bundle up and I'm actually ordering a new, smart wool uh heavy hat i do already have quite a series of hats that i i put on in head coverings to keep me warm and i have these really industrial you know like north pole gloves um that i that i wear which i think are good to like 20 or 40 below so my hands are always warm which is nice um and i do you know i i i'm pretty warm when i go out but um you know, it, it, it just is special. It's very special to go out. I want to do a podcast when I go out running. I want to use my H4N Pro and keep it in the front pack uh, pocket of my jacket and use a, a, one of my mics, one of my lavalier mics and bring it up onto my, my coat. Um, and I don't think I have a lot of noise from the wool coat. So I'm going to give it a try sometime. Now I won't take a camcorder because at night you're not going to see much anyway. I don't know how I would do that. So I'd probably have to snip some photos in during the day of some of the picture of places I've gone and say like, you know, I'm, I'm running past like, you know, the, the water tower or like, you know, past, past the lake or something like that and, and give you some image of what that really is. Um, but I think it would be kind of neat to do. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do that this year. Um, so a, a, a few things. Um, one is the show has fully migrated to Podbean. So, yes, the Safety Doc podcast is on Podbean. No longer on SoundCloud. Um, SoundCloud did downgrade me to the free account, which means I think I have the latest show is still up there live, which is a couple shows ago. And I did a brief farewell of like five minutes saying, hey, I'm leaving safety. I'm uh, the safety doc show is leaving SoundCloud. So, um, I have really, really enjoyed being on Podbean. Um, and I have to say flat out, flat out without a doubt, Podbean was absolutely wonderful with their live chat and then their tech support as I made the migration. Um, they they answered any questions I had. I created some weird loop system because I, I posted my RSS feed for Podbean like back into SoundCloud before the migration was done and then it was really like the shows weren't appearing and, and it was just really bizarre. My fault. Um but you know I I contacted the tech support immediately on SoundCloud, they have live chat, and there's like, here's what you've done. Just go in and correct it this way. I did it, and uh, it, they've been super helpful. Podbean, migrating to Podbean was super easy, and their tech support is awesome. The analytics are incredible. 
I, I had some question on, um, I subscribed, I got into Podbean with a free account years ago. So basically, you know, like you could search for my podcast and it would show up on Podbean, even though it wasn't hosted there. Um, but then I, once I got subscribed to Podbean, both of the shows were showing up and then I asked if they would delete the, the one that was the free one and they had to do a ticket for that. And literally in two hours, like I got a, I got an email back from one of their tech people saying, Hey, we deleted this other account for you, which was really cool. It's the other part of like, they're not saying to you, like, here's how to go in and do the steps of deleting it. They're like, no, we just took care of it for you. Podbean's been, been great. The analytics are awesome. Um, SoundCloud was very sketchy. I never knew really how many people download it. It's really designed more for rappers and for musicians to serve that purpose, not for podcasters. You can tell Podbean has an emphasis on serving the podcaster. So I've been very satisfied with Podbean. I did go there per the recommendation of a very close friend who I knew studied numerous hosting um, opportunities before he went to Podbean. I've been fully satisfied. So thank you, Podbean, for all of your assistance in getting the safety dock on Podbean, which I appreciate. And then in Podbean, another plus, um, you know, you can tell which, you know, people from which states, what kind of systems they're using, are, are listening to your material. Um, very helpful because I typically do a lot of my consulting, a lot of my work on the uh, West Coast. And that's really where my audience was showing up. And of course, I'm on the 405 media. Um, and, and I could tell from the 405 media that I was getting a lot of, of residual out on the West Coast. So again, Podbean, thank you so much for the help in the migration. The show is officially on Podbean. Very glad about that. So, and hey, you should be glad about the Safety Doc Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. What in the hell was that all about? And we're back. Okay, so this is our kind of, you know, end of the year podcast, and I've really got it down here. I'm going to show you for everybody enjoying the visual part of this on YouTube. We've got it down to one page. Um, it's going to be a little more informal today. And I do have some some very significant interviews coming up after the first of the year, um, including Sean Iams Fuller. Sean and I have been in contact um, of trying to get, you know, something scheduled here within the next week or two. Um, you know, Danny Woodburn, who was on Seinfeld seven times and, and, and has been, you know, just in numerous movies. A tremendous person is going to be coming on. So we have all of those things to look forward to. But let's, let, let's talk right now about 2007. 
So a few things, um, some anecdotes. One is I visited my aunt, my 83-year-old aunt this week. I drove up and, and spent a day with her. She is a wonderful woman, um, and I enjoy my time with her. And uh, I took her to pay her property taxes. So that was a big thing. She got her property taxes. Uh, she doesn't drive. And we drove to, to pay her property taxes at City Hall. Now, the funny part of this is, is she assumes I know um, the city she lives in, which is about twice the size of the city that I live in. And and I don't know this city. Like I, do, I know where some of the big places are, you know, kind of like some landmarks. But so when we leave to, to pay the property taxes, and granted, I have a Garmin. So if everything goes bad, I could just type in the address and, and find my way there. But I kind of know it, but I don't know it that well. But it's funny. It's not only my aunt that does this. It's like my mom, too. And she says, like, well, you know, you know, this is the way you go to the, get to this or this or this. I'm like, I don't I don't live here anymore. You know, like, I don't know. And, and for my aunt, you know, it's kind of funny because I'm like, I didn't grow up here. Like, I don't know. Like, when I visited here, I was a kid. It was always in the back seat of my parents' car. And I wasn't paying attention to any roads and whatever but uh but kind of funny so i did find my way pretty quickly around to their city hall which was very clearly marked thank you for the city hall of doing that yeah big signs on both sides this is the city hall and then we went in and and took care of her property uh taxes and and drove around a little bit and um and found our way back our our way back home it was a wonderful day it was like in the low 40s, uh, so you know it was really nice weather to, to just get out of the car and to go in and to pay property taxes. And we ate at Arby's, you know, which is a place that she likes to eat. And, and I really enjoy spending time with her. Um, it was interesting because my my godfather, uh, which was her husband, he passed away. Um, he was, um, grew up in, you know, Mexico in the, in the, you know, new, in, into New Mexico on, on a family farm, on a family ranch. And I asked her because we saw the movie Coco. So with our kids, we saw the movie Coco. And I asked, you know, did he, um, believe in, in, and not even believe, but, but did he celebrate the Day of the Dead? Because that was pretty prevalent in the movie Coco, which largely involved putting up pictures of people who had passed in your family and then lighting a candle and on a day of the dead the thought is the spirit of that person could, could travel over for one day and spend time with the living and she said no 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 he didn't subscribe to, to any of that stuff so it was it was good though because i didn't know i didn't know i didn't know what his traditions were and she talked more about his traditions and family tr- traditions and i appreciate that um she's such a wonderful his- historian and I learn a lot about my my heritage when I can sit down and and, and talk with her. So um, that was a great time for me. It was a wonderful day, and she's a terrific person. I really appreciate it that that time. So um, I'm you know my I go back to uh, I go back to October, and <laughs> my youngest daughter and I went to uh, fire prevention week when they had the open house for the the fire department here in our city in which they do a really good job you know they keep up the equipment really well and and do a lot of community service things but 
I remember asking one of the firefighters, you know, like they have a new truck, a new truck. Well, it's like a three years old, but I mean, still call it a new, a new truck because really a fire truck will last you 20 to 30 years if you take care of it. And he was showing me, he's like, hey, we got a brand new truck I want to show you. And basically it was a pickup truck with a, you know, a light bar on top. And of course, you know, some, some things in the back. But I'm like, dude, dude, dude. Like I used to be a firefighter. I'm like, this is a pickup truck, okay, with a set of lights on top. Like, show me the real fire truck. Like, I get it, okay? Like, I get it. This technically counts as a piece of firefighting equipment. Nothing against it. I mean, this is the piece that you're taking out. You're doing your, 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 you know, surveys of buildings to make sure that they're compliant with safety codes and stuff like that and brush fires. But I'm mean, like, show me the real truck. He's like, okay, like here's the here's the real one. But I'm like, a pickup truck is not a fire truck. So um, I have personally, I've personally made um, uh, a commitment to working out, to lifting weights, and to running. I had done that sporadically. But I really wanted to get back into the shape that I was in in 2014, which was phenomenal. I mean, which was phenomenal. And I have the photos to prove it. I mean, it was just a great shape. Um, had, had lost a lot of weight. It gained a lot of strength. Um, I am really looking forward to biking this upcoming summer. And I'm going to have new, uh, rims put on my bike. Um, I do have a higher end Trek bike and the rims. I mean, I've had the bike five, six years. So the rims only last so long. And then the tensions between the spokes and everything, you know, kind of get a little bit goofy and wonky. So I'm having new rims put on which I'm excited about. And I love the bike. I absolutely love the bike. And I love my 70 to 80 mile bike treks for fitness and just the sunny days and just being out. Um, I, 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 those are things that I will miss when I'm no longer able to do those. And, and at age 46 and with good knees and good ankles and good back, I hope to be able to do that for many years to come. Um, but yeah, I've been working out, I've been working out, lifting my weights, um, doing my bands and, and all of that stuff. Um, got the, you know, the, the weight bench, so in good shape and I've been out running at night and that's been great. I need to continue that so I can really enter that April about when the snow's gone and, and after I get the bike in and get the new rims and everything, and really get out and, and start pushing it really hard like I did back in 2014, where I think I, I probably got in, you know, between 25 and 35 rides that summer. Um, I want to get back to that and, and, and I can't wait to do that. Um, and so I, I just have some personal goals on that. Um, I did eat some beef jerky from my, uh, one of my bags, my saddle bags on the back of my bike. Um, and I'm not sure when the beef jerky expired, although it was sealed, but I did eat it yesterday. So, um, not having really any ill effects of it, but I'm trying to up the protein. So also this whole thing of like, I've bought the steel cut oats raw, which I add into my cereal. I bought, I always eat kind of sardines every night, regardless. I'm just, I'm, I'm into that. I, I, Love the taste of sardines and eat those with whole wheat crackers. And sardines are great for you. If you haven't looked it up, you know, look it up, check it out. Sardines are excellent, excellent for you. Great source of protein, selenium, and all of that stuff. 
Um, so yeah, it's sorry about that, but, uh, it's really great. It's really great. Um, and, and I've been, yeah, added some wheat germ tonight and, you know, stuff like that. We went Walmart shopping. So really, really looking to changing up some of the diet things and adding more calcium in. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that, um, calcium and protein. So, um, I want to be really ready by the time that the summer hits because again, being, uh, we plan on going out to South Dakota and, and generally out in that area. And I want to be able to be very strong and, and, and robust as I'm, I'm out there hiking. Now, the tricky part of the South Dakota trip is getting my girls to be interested. I mean, they're seven and 11. You know, we went to Disney last year. Of course, if you're 7 11, you're going to Disney. It's completely awesome, as it was for me. And, I mean, it was a great trip. Absolutely loved Disney. Um, Disney Orlando. But it's a harder sell to your daughters to get them to go out to Mount Rushmore and, and Bison and maybe getting to pet a prairie dog and seeing some of the, the Native American ruins and stuff like that. It, that's a harder sell, okay? No doubt about it. That's a harder sell. So I'm going to have to work at that a little bit with them. I want to see Custer's last stand, you know, where where that took place. That's up in southern Montana. Um, and I think I've got a way to configure all of that. Now, see, that's this is one of those things where it's like a little bit of a, is this a vacation for Dad? And uh, in some extent, you know, it kind of is. Uh-huh. Um but I want to make sure I have enough things for my girls to enjoy. Like we're going to go to a dinosaur dig and, and some of those things, which will be really cool. So I've got some of it planned out. And I do want to thank um, DT and the Black Brigade, blackbrigade.com. Thank you for DT and the Black Brigade. He went out to South Dakota, and he has two daughters. Um, detailed out his trip and also kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like what was really good, what was really bad, what he wouldn't do again. I've taken some pointers from that. I also love listening to his podcast, DT and the black org. And as I go on, um, right now, I want to thank Sprigio, S P R I G E O, Sprigio.com. You can see him in the back here if you're watching the video version of this, Sprigio.com in the signage. Um, S P R I G E O, the nation's leader in online bullying, harassment, and threat reporting software. Literally are, are saving lives and have been credited with saving lives. Um, Joe Bruze is the CEO and is, is always looking to make, um, his company better and more responsive to the ever changing needs of districts and students. Um, I, I very much appreciate working with Sprigio and encourage parents who are listening to this show to question their school about what are you doing for reporting for safety? If students have bullying concerns, harassment, or safety concerns, what is your system? And there's a very affordable system out there, Sprigio. It's very tried and true. Just check the state of Oregon, which uses it exclusively, Sprigio.com. Can't say enough good about it. I've known Joe, their CEO, for maybe seven, eight years. He is a phenomenal person and just wants to make this better and to protect students 
and communities and Sprigio is is just got a wonderful future ahead of it. Sprigo.com. Also, thank you to John Grant and the 405 Media out of Los Angeles, California. The show is broadcast 2 p.m. p.m., which I just said, 2 p.m., uh, PST Daily on the405media.com out of Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles, California, the405media.com. Um, it is the League of Extraordinary Podcasters. Hey, if you listen to the Safety Doc at 2 p.m. PST, you can hang on an hour later and listen to Aaron Clary, a.k.a. Captain Capitalism, and listen to the world of economics with the rhetoric removed. I listen to Aaron, and Aaron is a friend of mine, um, and and I really appreciate Aaron's perspectives. Um, you can also go to Aaron's Amazon affiliate site here for Christmas, and um, you go to captaincapitalism.blogspot.com, and you can check. Um, basically, it doesn't cost you any more, and Aaron gets a, um, a commission based upon your, your sale. But Aaron... Clary and the Clary podcast. Um, strongly recommend that. Also recommend um, Readily Random, which is now on the weekends on the 405media.com. Larry Roberts, a true professional. Larry gets the guests that then I talk to Larry and say, how in the world did you get those guests, Larry? But he's just great. He's a voiceover um a professional actor and voiceover and, and so much more and just a great friend. Larry Roberts, readily random. These are podcasts I download. Like I go to and I always check. Hey, there's a new episode of readily random. Boom. I'm downloading it. I'm listening to it on my commute. Readily random. Larry Roberts. Um, so readily random.com. So, um, yeah, let me take a look here, uh, back at 2017. But the first thing we have to do is look right now at the safety doc pod. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. Ho, 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 ho! What in the hell was that all about? All right, and welcome back. This is the end of 2017, and we're going to look at some of the hallmark interviews, some of the highlights of the Safety Doc podcast as we are in episode 55, and we have a full year of podcasts to look back upon. Uh, I want to hit some of the most, I think, significant podcasts for the show. I, I'm sure I'm leaving a few people out. I'm sorry to do that, but but I want to go back and, and highlight just a few of the very substantial podcasts, which I think um, brought this show to a new level. The first one was with David Hyde. David Hyde um, 
is a blind man. You know, he's about 60 years old and he has been blind his entire life and, and talks about what it's like to be blind. He's a professional, you know, he, he's been employed his entire life. Um, just a, a, a great dynamic, fun interview. If you go back and listen to it, it was an interview though, that brought about people saying, I really connected with the story. I had a lot of response from that and people, you know, like it was great. It was positive. And also people saying like, I really felt sad for some of the stories that Dave was telling. Cause when we talked about some of the struggles, you know, like he had been hit by a car crossing a road and, and stuff like that. But, um, it was one of the best interviews I think I did. I really enjoy working with Dave. I worked with him to this day as a good friend. So the David Hyde interview, Bree Hansen, Bree Hansen talked about international travel and how to stay safe and things that I didn't even know were out there and had some very fascinating stories like breaking up a bar fight when she was like 19 years old and in, in, in New Mexico or in, in Mexico. And she has made several trips to Haiti, humanitarian aid trips. Um, but Bree is an international traveler and a person, you know, just with a wonderful heart doing the right thing. That was a super interview. So please go back and check that out. Tar Thomas Marchetti. A detective, a retired uh, detective, Thomas Marchetti, talked about sanctuary cities. Um, and since that interview, that was kind of the last interview I did with the old technology here in the Safety Doc Studio, which is, let's check out the North Star um, weather dial right now. It is a brisk 57 degrees here in the studio. Um it's only going to be 10 degrees here on winter, uh, or on, on winter, on Christmas, by the way. Um, but anyway, uh, I recorded that interview and it was the goofiest thing because it was the old days. Like I, I didn't have Skype phone call and my eight four N, excuse me, recorder and things like that. So I didn't have the high tech stuff. So what I ended up doing is setting up like a number of, of, of notepads and, and having a speaker and Dave would call in and then I would spike, uh, have it out of my phone and it would play and that would record into the microphone. <coughs> Excuse me. What in the so hell was that? The quality about? wasn't the greatest. I mean, it's so much more evolved since then. It's early days of the Safety Doc podcast. But um, what a wonderful, what a wonderful podcast of understanding what a sanctuary city is. on the show because I want to learn more about what's happening with uh, sanctuary cities but it's very informative just I mean it was to what it was to know what a sanctuary city was it wasn't to take a position saying you should be for or against a sanctuary city it was just saying here's what a sanctuary city is and here's what you know the the governmental role in that is and, and I thought what was really amazing in that that I that I took away was it was really hard to deport criminals um because the countries wouldn't take them back so the united states he indicated had much more success in that in the last year saying hey this criminals from your country you're taking them back and they would so um <coughs> what sorry i'm not sick i'm fine about? it's just like the humidity down here has dropped and i, I just drank my water so i'm pretty much set but a thank you to Aaron Clary. I interviewed Aaron Clary, and we talked about his his book, Reconnaissance Man. Um, 
And I did a review for that on Amazon.com, Reconnaissance Man. Um, basically talking, Aaron, Aaron wrote this book, and, and we talked about the importance of youth reconnaissance, meaning 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, getting out and trying to um, explore different parts of the U.S., you know, learning about here's what it is in Colorado, here's what it is in New Mexico, and things like that. And the key that Aaron had in that was saying, you know, you're not, you don't, if your interest is, is mountain climbing or, or trail climbing or biking, you grew up in Wisconsin, Aaron grew up in Wisconsin, so did I, um, you know, maybe Minnesota or Wisconsin isn't the place for you. You know, maybe you want to go, you want to go down to areas where you're going to be able to do that. And it's, it was a very insightful book, you know, Reconnaissance Man. And I talked about that a little bit in a recent podcast of saying with these virtual field trips and, and, and people canceling field trips like DC and things, parents, because, oh, it's too dangerous for my kid, uh, my eighth grader to go there. Well, that really goes against this reconnaissance, this, this, um, need for reconnaissance, which Aaron points out in his book. And I believe it's very true. You know, I went, I was about, I think it was 19. I did spring break with one of my friends. We went to Little Rock, Arkansas. Why you'd go there for spring break, I don't know. But it was a great time. It was, you know, we, we had to improvise and we had to come up with a lot of solutions along the way to different things that came up. But I learned different parts of the country. And really, it wasn't until we went to Disney where I drove through and, and first time it was in Alabama and Tennessee and and, you know, even Florida, but reconnaissance, learning where you might want to go to school, where you might want to live, what you like for climate and things like that. So important. So I appreciate that. That was a great discussion with Aaron Clary. One of the things Aaron pointed out to me, which I'll never forget, is is I was looking into this a little bit deeper. I was like, um, you know, how kids might do reconnaissance and all this, they, you know, all of this and how if they're out doing reconnaissance, like should they stay on social media and keep reporting what they're doing because are they really then doing reconnaissance or just still connected to social media? And Aaron stopped me and he said, Dave, the big thing here is like they're out. <laughs> if that We have to get them out, you know, the, that they're encouraged to be out and doing things. And I was like, yeah, I didn't even think about that. You know, so um, yeah, Aaron has a number of publications out there. One is Poor Richard's Retirement. Um a guide to retirement right now, which I think is, is very relevant. But, uh, I listen to him through Audible, download his, his pay for stuff and download through Audible. But Aaron Clary, you can also find him at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. He is on the 405 media at 3 p.m. PST daily. I also had an interview with Elijah from, um, Nerdy by Nature. And we had a very lengthy discussion in June about topics such as, you know, what if you could live forever? Uh, would you want to do that or would you not want to do that? And, and you know, just some of these dilemmas which will face society, like what will be the impact on religion once we get to a phase of singularity of, of meaning like machine intelligence, artificial intelligence um, is comparable to human intellect and what if we could technically you know replace our body parts and have our our bodies upload it every day in 50 years you know to a computer system so if anything happened to us if you died 
you know, for some reason that you could basically reboot yourself into a new body. What would that mean? So it was very interesting. I, I appreciate that conversation with Elijah. It is a phenomenal podcast. I, I encourage you to go back and find that one. Katie Pashan from the Cajun Navy Relief. Um, back when the hurricanes, um, Irma and Harvey, Harvey and Irma, I guess, were hitting um, Houston and then also hitting Florida, the Cajun Navy jumped in in Houston, not necessarily in Florida, but then also they got into Puerto Rico. Um, but I didn't know anything about the Cajun Navy, and I guess my initial reaction was that this was, it was grassroots, but it was also people that, that were very loosely organized, and and I didn't realize the the level of organization and interorganization of how the Cajun Navy interfaced with FEMA and with local police and fire departments, and Katie did a wonderful job with that. And she was kind of brought into the role of being more of a communications agent or connecting people who needed resources with resources. And that was a phenomenal interview because um, I, it really pointed out, I think, one of the great aspects of America of how you can do a lot of things without government interference and also how the government um, did help her. You know, like FEMA had supported and interacted with with the Cajun Navy Relief. Again, Cajun Navy Relief. That was a great interview. I appreciate that. I um, think it's worthwhile going back to. It was weird because I released it, like, within 12 hours of the um, shooting that occurred from Mandalay Bay. Um, or what 58 people were killed so it was hard to promote that show I never felt I, I was able to give that show the proper promotion it deserved because it felt like if I was typing out and saying you know hey check out like the great things that people are doing in America to support their fellow Americans it kind of flew in the face a little bit of what was happening in in Las Vegas so it was it was just bad timing for for that to come out but that's a great show um and the cajun navy relief um and, and yeah it, it's worth it's definitely worth a listen and it's one of those things that that is restoring of humanity it recharges the batteries i mean these are people who are not getting paid to do this they're going out and like katie herself has pictures where she's working on ripping people's rotted drywall out and she's got a mask on and her and a crew and this is like months after, 8, 12 months after the, you know, you know, storms have hit her, Louisiana, you know, floods have happened and things like that. So just a really good person, Katie Pichon, and then the the Cajun Navy Relief. Um, and a special thanks. I want to give a special thanks to Hector Solis and Larry Roberts, who have been significant contributors to the Safety Doc podcast in 2017. One, Hector Solis has uh, a role in the Typical Daddy podcast and the Awareness podcast, and um, he is what I would say a true citizen journalist and learns uh, the tech, you know, the technology and all of the aspects of, of great audio quality. And, and, and it was funny because the way Hector contacted me is he said, I like your show, but your audio, I, I think can be better, and I'd like to help you with that. So he offers his help, 
And he thanked me. I contacted him and we set up a Skype session and, and he quickly gave me a number of pointers and, and things and that, that significantly increased my audio quality. I have a little bit of things I want to do here. Like I need to get some reverb tiles down here in the office and, and maybe some other things. But, and, and of course I have my H4N Pro. So I want to start using that and with a webcam and, and changing some things. But, um, but Hector, thanked me, which was phenomenal. I mean, this guy is awesome. He is a tremendous person, um, incredibly giving. He did like this full tutorial with, with screenshots for me on a number of things, but just out of the goodness of his heart, he's just a good person and his shows are, are, are so insightful. Um, he's done shows on, you know, bullying on sex trafficking on, in that on typical daddy podcast of, you know, just common, common things that dads encounter with, you know, communicating with your sons or daughters and how to keep those lines of communication open from being young to being middle school to being older. Um, so he's just one of these people who is value added to the world, I would say, Hector Solis. And I'm very thankful to have him as a friend. He's, he's helped me out tremendously. Um, so thank you so much, Hector, in 2000. 17. That's one thing with podcasting is I really found this community of people who are, are very giving, very knowledgeable and skilled. And, and I, I love it. And I try to give forward. Like somebody once had asked, you know, do you do an outline for shows or whatever? And, and it was a, it was a website I was a member of and I shared some of my outlines and, you know, redacted some information. But I said, yeah, I typically do an outline of a show. So, you know, the guests and I have general topics. We know what to expect and here's how I do it. And that person found that helpful. Um, not meaning like we had to stick to these things, but you know, here's some, some general points. Um, so Hector, thank you so much. And as a personal, as a friend, you've been, you've been incredible. I wish you and your show the most success. Check it out at awareness pod. Um, on Twitter or just go to awarenesspodcast.com. Hector Solis, you will not be disappointed. Also, Larry Roberts of Readily Random. Readilyrandom.com. I did an interview with uh, on Larry's show early on. Larry has tremendous guest. Uh, again, a true professional. He's a voice. He does voiceover in addition to all of his other work. Um, but wants to produce something that is going to help people. And again, I go in and I look and I'm like, has Hector released anything new? Has Larry released anything new? And if they have, I download it and I listen to it. And typically on my commute, if not my commute, I just listen to it because it's great. It's always great. They have, have terrific guests or else they've, they've done their research and they present stuff, which is, is, it, it just helps me become a better person. And these are two great, great people. Um, Hector helped me tremendously with my audio as I was starting out the show. So we're on, we're on 55 podcast, you know, podcasts. This is before the, the Yeti mic and before, you know, the software, Alphonics and some of that. And Larry helped me upgrade website and graphics and, and things like that. So I am indebted to these two, Hector Solis and, and Larry. Check out Awareness Podcast with Hector. Check out Readily Random with Larry Roberts. So yeah, this summer, my family and I were doing a South Dakota region summer trip. 
Uh, we were, last year we went to Orlando, and then in summer we also typically spend some time up in Door County, Wisconsin, um, in the Fish Creek region. It's just, it's really neat up there. In summer you see people bring out their sailboats, and when it's warmer it's just really nice. This time of year I'm like, boy, I wouldn't want to live up there, but, you know, in summer it's just, it's it's really cool. And they have, like, you know, a lighthouse we visit that is a around 120 30 years old and you get to climb a steel spiral uh staircase all the way up to the top and our girls are the are all tall enough now they can do that and you get to walk around the outside of it and then you get to go down but you can look out on lake michigan for miles it's really really nice it's just it's a great area door county wisconsin probably about an hour and a half north of green bay it's on a you know Kind of, I, I don't know if called the peninsula or whatever, the, the arm of Wisconsin. So the arm says, Hey, I'm Wisconsin. So, um, but yeah, we're probably planning our South Dakota trip. It's a, it's kind of hard, you know, cause I have two daughters. So I'm like, how do I keep them interested in South Dakota trip? Because Mount Rushmore may be interesting. You know, I want to expose them to some of the history of, of the, I don't know, uh, of, the South Midwest region, the Plains region, I guess you'd call it. <coughs> Excuse what me. in the hell was and that all about? So I want to do that because I, I think it's important for them to to have that experience. And, and, you know, Custer Park and Bison, you know, naturally, and being able to pet a prairie dog and, and, and just see some of the land formations out there. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but I want to make it interesting. So there's a dinosaur dig, an active dinosaur dig out there, which we will go to. They can participate in. Um, so that's going to be pretty cool because I think both of them will find that interesting. And I, I, I'm really, you know, we can go to Little House in the Prairie. They've read the books and things like that. So I, I'm trying to make this very interesting for them to, <laughs> so, um, you know, ultimately, this is something I've been out there, but I, I was out there twice. I was out there as a kid, like I was five or six, and my parents had like a slideshow. Once in a while, they bring out, you know, it's the old slide projector where you got to click. <coughs> my goodness, I'm sorry, folks. Um, you got to click and it moves to the next slide. My parents would be like, oh, you remember this? I'm like, I was like five or six. I don't remember any of this. Like, you're by the Grand Canyon or whatever. But, um, but no, you know, now I remember it. And, um, yeah, I want to take them out. I want to show them these things. And I am very interested in the Battle of Little Bighorn or what's known also as Custer's Last Stand. I've done a lot of research on that. It's very interesting, too, I mean, because the gravestones are marked where where the soldiers fell. Although that's kind of not completely accurate. There's a lot of spurious markers, meaning, or, or, or markers that are false, um, because the, the battle was, was, the markers came up, I think, four years after the battle, the granite markers. So they were initially wood markers and, and then a lot of the, the remains have been excavated and moved to different sites. So, I mean, there's some remains, there's some not, but it still is very interesting, I think, to see the, the battlefield. Um, so, I'm looking forward to that. I have to figure out a way to make that interesting for my daughters. It is something more or less, frankly, dad wants to see, okay? <laughs> and we're going to a Minuteman missile site where we're going to get to go down into the site and tour, um, you know, the Minuteman missiles, which were, um, you know, ready to go up in, on 
till or through the 1990s. So I've never done that. I've, I've seen the Nike missile sites in California, but not where we can actually go in and tour. So I think they'll kind of find that interesting. But I, I, I'm really looking um, to make this interesting for my daughter. So one of the things that's, that I find fascinating with Kessler's Last Stand, this is how I'm going to close out the show here today, is, is the soldiers who were ages typically 20 to 25, when they would dig up the the bodies, you know it was it was the um, you know at that time largely skeletons, but they would find that the teeth were worn down and the joints were in really bad shape and the vertebrae you know from riding on on horseback and everything like that. I mean these people were probably in constant pain and they're fatigued and um, you know so the twenty twenty five year old soldier of of the eighteen seventies you know, was equivalent to somebody who might be 50 to 60 years old today. So this was a really hard time. And it's also one of those weird things because 1876 is pretty modern. I mean, 1876 New York would have been modern. Chicago would have been modern. Yet you get over and you have this really unexpected, you know, um, decimation of Custer's troops. So, and I want (coughs) to, excuse me, (coughs) Excuse me, folks. I, I'm really sorry about that, but I I want to point it out to my daughters too. Of um, you know, at Custer's last stand, you know that was an attack. There was an Indian gathering, and it was more of a ceremony, and then they were defending themselves. But remember, you know, when I was in school, Custer's last stand was portrayed as you know the Indians that were attacking Custer, and Custer needed to do this to preserve, you know, the, the country and this manifest destiny. But really, you know, it's a shame <laughs> that this happened. Um, and and the fact that there wasn't some reconciliation, you know, with the tribes and, and, and so forth that was held to by the government. Um, and I, the more and more I research this, the more and more I, I feel really bad that as a country, we just don't recognize this and, and more than what we do, that we, we continue to push um, Native Americans further and further off the land and eventually, you know, into Canada or onto small reservations. Um, and, and this was, again, this was a, an attack by Custer and then the Indians um, of, of different tribes defending themselves and, and numerous rep weapons and were able to um, get Custer and, and his group in a, in a position where they were able to, to uh, obliterate them. But again, they were doing this in self-defense. I mean, they were attacked in midday. But yeah, I, I want to go there. I've never been there. I think it's the only time in life. So I got to figure out something of how to like get from Rapid City to there in Montana it was really a four-hour drive and, and make it interesting for my daughter. So got my work cut out for me. Got my work cut out for me. So in closing here in 2017, I've appreciated being the safety doc. I've appreciated doing the podcast. And I appreciate all of you. You're not the uh, typical audience. You are extraordinary. You're intellectual. You want to have the rhetoric stripped from safety. You want to um, make your communities safer. You want to make your school safer. Thank you so much for that. And also in closing, like we, we really have good times today. We really have good times. 
Not that we don't have problems, okay? And I don't want to make this political in elections and, and things like that in society. But, but you know, you know, I go back to this whole thing with, with Custer and, and The Last Stand. You know, you're looking at bodies and, 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 you know, guys in their 20s where their vertebrae are shot and all of that. You know, we have modern medicine. You know, you can go to Walmart and typically get your needs met. We have clean water coming out of water taps. You can, you know, get a meal at a reasonable price. Uh, we're generally safe. Um, you know, our food is our food is safe. You know, our, our, our needs are met. Um, we have incredible medical in the country. You know, first responders, EMS, and all of that. We have a lot of things to be safe, uh, to be thankful for. Vaccinations, things like that. So, uh, I, I, I just think we lose track of that sometimes. Of, of we really live in a great time and a time when it doesn't cost us a whole lot of money to have these these things. You know, like to have water coming out of the tap that that's clean that we can drink without getting sick. Um, and you know going to a grocery store and being able to buy things and, and and the variety and stuff like that you know and granted we could argue ideals and things like this but but i'm just saying it, it is it is something very very much that we are we are living in some of the best times if not the best time um that the world has known especially from america from an american standpoint and I, I want to um, I want to point that out. I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful. I'm thankful I can I can you know go grocery shopping and with my my family and kids and I can buy like you know I love sardines. I work out and stuff like that and they're great and and assorted nuts and all of that and I'm not spending a lot of money and all of that stuff is there and and um, my kids have schools that they go to you know with with you know nice. Um, you know, e- e- equipment, uh, educated teachers that care about them, things like that. That we have these systems. Again, nothing's perfect, but compare it to you know 1876 and, and where we've come from, and, and, and just things like that. Um, yeah, I think we have a lot to be thankful for. I give thanks when I'm out every night. So, folks, thanks you, uh, thank you so much for listening to the Safety Doc podcast. This is David. The Safety Doc and signing off. Thank you again. Um, I'm not sure if we'll have another podcast for 2017, but if not, thank you so much for 2017. Looking forward to 2018. This is the Safety Doc. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Six a.m. The alarm wakes up. You need your coffee cup. You face the day, choke on your hairspray. Your life is wasting away, and it's just another day. You hope and wish and pray that it's just another day for you. You've had a bad. Again, the night of mundane. You can't wait for the 
Life can have some bite, but it'll be alright. It's just 